This subtle body is an effect of the three modes of material nature. It is composed of 
insurmountably strong desires. And therefore, it causes the living entity to transmigrate from one body to another, in human life, animal life, and life as a demigod. When the living entity gets the body of a demigod, he is certainly very jubilant. When he gets the body of a human, a human body, he is always in lamentation. And when he gets the body of an animal, he is always afraid. In all conditions, however, he is actually miserable. His miserable condition is called samsmiti, or transmigration in the sphere of life. The fourth by his own basis, the sum and substance of material, conditional life is explained in this verse. The living entity, the seventeenth element, is struggling alone, life after life. This struggle is called samsmiti, or material, conditional life. In Bhagavad Gita, it is said, that the force of material nature is insurmountably strong. Material nature harasses the living entity in different bodies. But if the living entity surrenders to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he becomes free from this entanglement, as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Thus, his life becomes successful. So here, Mr. Prabhupada's first course, uh, as he uh, likes to do, is that he explains the particular verse uh, that the living entity, which is the 17th element, is struggling with the mind in the different senses in the material body being conditioned by the material energy in that way uh, and uh, in this way transmigrating in miserable conditions in the material world life after life. But Prabhupada likes to give the remedy uh, and the solution to this uh, from the very beginning. So um, I notice that uh, you know, when we perform a ceremony to someone who passes away, uh, we quite often read uh, verses from the Gita because they give, they show the nature of the problem uh, that, that the, we're in this material world, which causes birth and death and so many miseries in between. The soul, however, is different from the body and transmigrates from one body to another, but this process can be stopped by surrendering to the Supreme Personality of God. So we read verses from the Bhagavad Gita. And that is recommended uh, by Sudhira uh, Swami, who is the Acharya of all the Puranas, of all the religious principles that one can perform uh, in such circumstances, he says, there is no higher uh, method uh, to attain success for the departed soul than to read verses of the Gita. But what others like to do is sometimes they say, can you read verses from the Garuda Purana? And the Garuda Purana describes all the hellish conditions that one may attain 
after one leaves this body. But, uh, so they read that, um, but they, they don't really give the remedy. They don't really give the... Uh, so, you know, they, um, they walk out of there somewhat um, disturbed. by not giving the remedy straight away, just leaving it, well, here are the hellish conditions. Uh, but if there's some fire, we may go to heaven, that's, you know, where has the soul gone? You know, we can't tell you. <laughs> uh, by doing that, uh, it actually encourages people to be, try and enjoy this life more, you know, because of that fear after death. Uh, it doesn't sound very... Uh, wonderful. We may be in all sorts of alterations. Uh, so we have to perform all sorts of difficulties in this life and uh, at, the, at the end of this life, for many of them, uh, you know, they may feel they may go to the heavenly planets for some time or they may, may merge into the impersonal uh, spirit Brahman. But, as Prabhupada mentions in the Gita, even that concept that we are eternal and become one with the impersonal Brahman, where there's no activity, no desires, uh, no variety, uh, that concept can actually even turn people to become atheistic. That why bother with spiritual life if that's the end? Uh, let me just eat, drink, and be merry uh, now. So, um, you know, part of our uh, process in Krishna consciousness, we always follow in the footsteps of Sri Prabhupada, the greatest preacher uh, ever known. And um, we spread Krishna consciousness all over the world, and we try to give a nice balanced understanding in everything we do and say. Uh, so here, of course, there are some technical a- aspects which we should cover, and we will come to this uh, point in the Bible service again uh, through the course. Let's look at this, uh, the nature of the soul in the in this. So, very interesting verses, as we know, in Bhagavad Gita, it describes the subtle body, so we have the gross body and the subtle body described in the seventh chapter, verses uh, four and five. We all know this off by heart, but I like to read it anyway. Um, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego, all together, these eight constitute my separated material energy. So here we have the gross body, these five, the Mahabhuta, five gross elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, each one becoming more subtle. So that is the gross body we have here. And here we have the subtle body as three, and that is mind, intelligence, and false ego. So... Of course, um, these, all of these, 
uh, elements of the manifested material energies known as the Mahatattva. So when the material energy is not manifested, the modes of material energy are not manifested, it is known as uh, Pradhan or Prakriti or Avyakta. But when it becomes manifested into the uh, different elements, 16 principal elements, which further expand into 24, then it is known as Mahatattva. So you have the Mahatattva can be principally in goodness, and the mind is representation more so of goodness in its proper state. Um, but also because the mind functions to uh, as the chief sense so we have ten senses of which the mind is the chief one the mind also operates in the mode of passion and the different senses are created by the Mahatattva in that more uh, creative or passionate mode and of course then we have the Ahankara which is a state of the mind uh, strongly influenced by ignorance or false ego. So, in one sense, we can, uh, you know, that consciousness, the state of uh, consciousness of the living entity in three parts, you know, the, the intelligence, the mind, the false ego, we can in, gen- in general just say the mind. Which is referred to here, and we see that Krishna also does that in the Bhagavad Gita, that um, you know, in the fifteenth uh, chapter, especially, he describes that fifteen seven. This is the this is the first verse I ever learned. Yeah. I went through the Bhagavad Gita. I read I read the Gita before becoming a devotee, and. Um, when I joined the movement, I, I thought uh, I'll choose one to be the first one I learned. And um, so this one here. Mamma Ivansu Jiva Loki, Jiva Bhutta Sanatanaha, Malaha Sasana Indriani, Prakadisani Karasati. The living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmented parts. So we understand, first of all, we are the eternal servant of Krishna. So very significant state. That's, that's our actual identity. But due to conditioned life, they're struggling very hard with the six senses which include the mind. So the mind being the sixth sense. So uh, again, we see here that uh, the senses can be uh, again summarized as uh, five, but they stand as ten. So, uh, this is the uh, Mahatattva, is essentially 16, which stands as 24. Uh, the mind, the subtle body, stands as three features. The senses can be five, or it stands as like this. So sometimes we refer to things in their uh, nutshell situation and then how they expand. Like that. So, um, so the mind here, uh, but what is very interesting about this verse here in the Bhagavatam is that uh, 
we understand also that part of the subtle body, actually the senses are first part of the subtle body which expands is the gross body. So that's um, that's that's the first thing that's uh, quite intriguing. So um, therefore, he is describing the subtle body has um, ten senses, five working, which is the hands. So working senses. Now bear in mind that these are being described as part of the subtle body. So part of the subtle body is that every living entity gets a full set of these. And there's the sense of hands, legs, so, you know, there is something uh, for grabbing things um, and sometimes they double up. So some of the entities, the mouth is also the hands. For a tree, a tree is called Ekapada. There's one leg. There's a leg also is his mouth. It stands on one leg, but it also eats through its mouth. I said, like that. So, they all get the full set, but sometimes they double up, in which case, they're much more limited. Because when your mouth is also your leg, it's, um, and you have to eat soy oil. It really limits both. <laughs> so, so hands, legs, anus, genitals. So there's a reproductive system, anus. There is, uh, you know, disposing of um, uh, different uh, elements of the um, of what we are consuming. We dispose of that waste and voice. So in this way, that's that's why you know for trees it's a punishment because they have to they have to stand there and tolerate. They'd like to say, "Get off! Don't cut that. <laughs> that's me." But they can't. And they can't move, so they have to tolerate. They're forced. But therefore, it's a punishment. Uh, and um, so they're the working senses. They're subtle. And then they manifest to some degree as the gross awakening senses. And then the knowledge acquiring senses, you know, eyes, and again, um, you know, what is also fascinating about this is that the gross elements are also considered part of the subtle body. But we, we'll get to that. So the knowledge-buying senses, eyes, it's subtle, but we're talking about subtle, and from that, 
we enjoy the sense object of form. Ears, we enjoy the sense object of sound. Nose, we enjoy the sense object of smell. Tongue, we enjoy the sense object of taste. And skin, we enjoy the sense object of touch. Okay. So, now this is the second thing I find quite fascinating because we, we know that uh, the sense objects are within the Mahabhuta or the five gross elements. We all know that, don't we? It's just common knowledge that this is really. But why? And that's because it's in the Bhagavad Gita. To begin with, and speak the Shrima Bhagavatam. So, in this purport 7.4, where Srila Prabhupada describes it, fortified etc., he says that um, um, he says in the material energy, the princi- principal manifestations are eight, as above mentioned. Out of these, the first five manifestations named earth, water, fire, air, and sky are called the five gigantic creations, or the gross creations, within which the five sense objects are included. So, uh, and, and that is our, our general understanding. But, uh, so, the question is, uh, how is it that they are being described here as part of the subtle body. And um, so what we see is that a couple of things come to my mind. One, the story of the two sunglasses crossing the river. The one sannyasi, they come to the river and they had to cross it and there was a beautiful young woman there who couldn't make it across the river by herself. So one sannyasi picked her up and as they went across, he carried her across the river and then put her down and they walked off. And as they walked off, for a long time, the other sannyasi I cannot believe you're a sannyasi you carried that young beautiful woman across you. You held her in your arm. You carried her. <laughs> I did. And he kept saying that. So the other sannyasi, they walked about, you know, miles. And he said, I carried that, what I can't believe is this. I carried that woman across the river and put it down. And you've been carrying her in your mind for the last few miles. <laughs> So the uh, still enjoying through the mind the sense objects, the taste, smell, touch, sight, form. So uh, another example that, that came to um, 
mind is that um, you know, when I was uh, a teenager, I've mentioned this story before, but it always uh, was some other different realization from this one incident. Um, that I, I used to get very ill with uh, fevers, swollen glands, a lot of pain, locked up, a lot of mucus, bad headaches, almost very difficult to breathe, you know, everything swollen in the throat. So much mucus, I could barely breathe, and uh, it was like it was like uh, something I'd go for weeks, almost like constant flu symptoms. And um, so, uh, a friend of mine recommended there was a place I think it might have been Carlton or something like that, and they do this um, uh, treatment by uh, a type of relaxation meditation. So I went there and they got me to lie on a raised sort of stretcher to the bed and uh, they asked me to shut my eyes, breathe deeply uh, as the yogis do, uh, so in a big long breaths and um, they said I want you to picture yourself walking in a rose garden. And the roses have um, you know, the morning dew on them, the sun is shining, the air is fresh, the beautiful aroma of the roses are there, and I want you to breathe deeply in that fragrance and that fresh air like that. So I did that, and I did that for a long time. And then they sort of woke me and they said, Oh, back. You were gone for a long time. <laughs> so I noticed the other people lying on the other beds, it sort of, they'd all wandered off, you know, and I was like the last one there. And um, when I woke up, I had no symptoms. So I walked in, you know, ready for a, you know, a hospital bed, so ill, and when I walked out, it just completely, there was no sign of illness at all. I was smelling those roses. You know, I was I was breathing in fresh air. So those, you know, sent the the objects of the senses were captured by my subtle body that I was able to literally, um, you know, enjoy them as if they were persons there. So it shows you that literally the objects of the senses were there within my subtle body. So, um, and therefore, you know, uh, you know that, that example also that we, we see in the Bhagavad Gita 15.8, that, <coughs> yeah. So we read 157 to this 15.8. The living entity in the material world carries his different conceptions of life from one body to another as the air carries aromas. So there's that example, the air carries aromas. Thus he takes one kind of body and again quits it to take another. So again, 
this example, how the mind or the subtle body uh, carries different conceptions within the subtle bodies, and those conceptions are enjoying the objects of the senses in this material world with one's senses, and that is all going on within the mind. Although uh, you know, quite often happens by the uh, gross body, but actually, really, it's all happening within the mind. All the work we do, Prabhupada mentions in the Gita, all the work we do in the world, actually, first we do the work with our mind, and then we do the work with our body. But it actually, work principally takes place within the mind, the actions, the, the, the senses. So this uh, air may come through the rose garden, carries the fragrance of those roses. And so the air has sort of captured something. It's very, very subtle, so like that. So the mind, it associates with particular modes of material nature and enjoys the objects of the senses with the senses according to different modes of material nature and they influence the mind. Um, so that the next verse here um, describing how we get a different set of senses in the next slide but Prabhupada mentions in the purport that um, Consciousness is originally pure like water, but if we mix water with a certain colour, it changes. Similarly, consciousness is pure for the spirit, for the spirit soul is pure. But consciousness is changed according to the association of the material qualities. Real consciousness is Krishna consciousness. So, air really is not uh, rose-centred nor does it have any other bad odour by coming over you know, other areas by going through the different cities. But um, air is uh, pure without, uh, and water also, water is, is pure, but it becomes contaminated. So the consciousness of the soul is originally pure, has no association with the modes of material nature and um, but and its original consciousness is Krishna consciousness but then by association with the material energy it becomes um, impure and that whole process is described in the 14th chapter of the Gita where it describes if you associate with the mode of ignorance this is how you'll become affected you, your consciousness will be coloured in this way and when your consciousness is coloured in this way, your actions should be like this. If you associate with, you know, Ravis, Thomas, Sattva, you'll be conditioned in this, and in this way, you'll go through the cycle of birth, but none of the modes of material nature are liberated. You, the mode of goodness can lead you to the direction where you understand you should become liberated and the soul is always pure but they don't actually liberate you, they bind you even the mode of goodness. 
It actually binds you, it conditions you, and binds us to the cycle of suffering in this material world. So, um, now this. Um, so, here, uh, what Krishna does in the Gita is he explains this is the disease of the soul, like a doctor. So, we go to a doctor. We go to a doctor and there's something wrong, and he says, Oh, this is your problem. This is, this is what's, uh, what ails you. And here is the remedy, like that. So people will go to God. If, if the soul becomes impure, where consciousness is contaminated, the only way to purify the soul, which is spiritual by nature, is to ask the spiritual doctor. <laughs> that has nothing, you know. How do I become free from taking birth with these subtle and gross bodies? Now, when we have a subtle body, as it's described, it is filled with, you know, these um, incessant, they just desires that just keep coming and coming and coming, and they're insurmountable. In other words, the desires are so strong, if we have a desire, it is not possible, it drives one nuts until they actually have to act upon it as the nature of the, of, the, of the desire. It just pushes and pushes, creates it burning in the heart. You know, I must have this, I must have more money, you know, I must drive my car faster than that person, you know, I must burn all the rubber off my tires, whatever. <laughs> Incessant, so you see that. Um, the other day I went to a program, we waiting on the road to the open gate. And while we were waiting there, in the cars, you know, you could see all the rubber burnt off the cars a little bit further down, and cars were going up the road as fast as we could. And they know when I get caught, they're going to take my car and crush it. And I'll never see it again. It's probably cost me, you know, 20 grand. I'm still paying it off. And sometimes I go through two and three cars. Or, if they can no longer afford to buy them, then I will steal them. And I will risk, you know, a few years in jail, and not having a car, and having a debt, and looking like a complete idiot. But I've got this desire to burn rubber on the tyres, and I just can't get away from it. <laughs> they lose their marriage, they lose everything. Powerful desires. You know what you speak of other desires. So what to do? What to do? And Krishna gives the, uh, the cure. Basically, the cure is this. You have to, if you want to stop birth and death in this world, you have to come to the point of having no desires, no material desires at all, absolutely zero, and then you can go back to the spiritual world. Then, you, then the soul will actually not take birth again anyway. So, you know, Prabhupada quotes that verse, where is he quote that? Uh, 7.16, he quotes that nicely. Um, 
and, and so this is a verse from the uh, lecture of devotion by Rupa Goswami uh, 1.11 One should render devotion transcendental love and service transcendental Prabhupada's qualified that. Devotional service should be, is transcendental, otherwise it's not quite what we're almost no. One should render transcendental love and service, so that means free from the influence of the modes of pure nature, free from the influence of the subtle body and the gross body, we're not identifying with the, like that, it's completely transcendental, to the Supreme Lord Krishna, favorably, without desire. Zero. And Yadulas is Sunya. Unmotivated. Unmotivated. Nothing. And Yadulas is Sunya and Prabhupada says zero. That's what he means. No, without desire for material profit and gain through food of activities or philosophical speculation, and that is called pure devotional service. So that is, that is the cure. So, of course, our next question is, how is it possible that we actually, with these insurmountable, incessant desires that completely bewilder us and, and take away our knowledge, how do we just, uh, is it possible to have no desires? Is it possible to not have those desires? So, uh, so the answer is, that, of course, um, the first understanding is very important to understand that the mind is the chief agent of the material covering that is, uh, you know, you say, um, uh, driving, as part, driving our constant material existence. So Prabhupada mentions that in, in that verse, we, we read 15.7, he says it like that, so I won't quote him, he says it, that the mind is the chief agent. So, therefore, in the 8th in the chapter, Krishna says, again, in verse 6, Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, O son of Kunti, that state will attain without fail. So, the state of the mind is what drives our next body, the state of the subtle body. So the senses are there. The senses are the, um, you know, say, how we fulfill our desire. We have the subtle senses and they drive us, uh, they, with the intelligence, we try to fulfill our desires. But the mind is literally the repository of all those desires. The mind, you know, so for instance, if, if we walk past a shop, say we walk past a shop and we see some um, jewelry. Well, let's go back to the car. 
shall we walk past it? Can you? We see, oh, there's a, a really nice car. Or we go into a phone shop. Here's an IT device. Whatever it may be. The senses come into contact. They see, they may smell some aroma, like that. But it's the mind, the Prabhupada says, that it becomes a repository of all sorts of ideas of enjoyment. So the mind starts thinking, if I had that, you know, I could enjoy in this way. If I had this house, if I had this uh, partner, if I had this uh, haircut, if I had this clothing, if I had this circumstance, you know, the mind is thinking, thinking, how I would enjoy it becomes filled. So those conceptions, so the senses come in contact, but it is the mind that is filled with these conceptions. And the mind then becomes, induces uh, the false ego, comes under the influence of the false ego to identify more fully with the material body. So even, even transcendentalists who know, I'm not the body, I'm a spirit soul, even great yogis, sometimes the senses come in contact with the objects of the senses and it's because the mind starts thinking of enjoyment that it induces even great yogis to again accept the false ego and again come under the influence of I will enjoy as the body. I'm not the body, but it, from, from the mind, the false ego uh, ensnares us, binds us even more like that. So because of the desires circulating around. Mentally one is trying to enjoy it like that. And then the intelligence, or how I will use my intelligence to you know, literally connect with the objects of the senses. So the mind is the, the one that's driving this intelligence. So if we control the mind, then we, as described in the Gita, the mind, if the mind directly connects with the spiritual platform, Krishna, then we do not go down the platform of the false ego, we do not go down the platform of the material intelligence, and we do not go down the platform of the material senses. If the mind directly connects with, with Krishna, then everything becomes controlled like that. And if the mind does connect with the mind's material nature in, a, in an effort that I will lord it over this and enjoy to my full extent, then in comes the false ego again, even for transcendentalists, in comes the material intelligence, in comes uh, you know, uh, engagement in food of activities, you know, speculating. So the mind is the key. So, therefore, the very next verse, Krishna says, Therefore, Arjuna, you should always think of me in the form of Krishna and at the same time carry out your prescribed duty of fighting with your activities dedicated to me and your mind and intelligence fixed on me, you will attain me without doubt. So, this... Um, and in the seventh chapter, Krishna has also said, surrender unto me. The material energy is very difficult. You cannot overcome the material energy. But, Krishna says, but if you 
surrender to my instructions, just like here, that you, if I give an instruction, you do that instruction. If I tell you to engage in my devotional service this way, you do that and you fix your mind on me and your intelligence while you're doing it. If you surrender to that, then overcoming the material energy is very, very easy. Now, therefore, if we cannot understand the question of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, how do we take up that process? If one cannot understand, so Krishna, is, so Krishna gives thee the cure, you surrender unto me in devotional service. But if we don't accept that there is a personality of God here, or if there was, is one, it's not Krishna, then how do we follow Krishna's instructions? And these instructions of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, because it's Gita Jayanti. Samaha Jyotishi, so yesterday. But you can celebrate it today as well. Why not? The essence of all the teachings of the Vedas, in fact, the essence of all spiritual instruction from any literature in the world, bona fide literature, you will find every one of those instructions there in the Gita and more. It sums them all up that of all the teachings, here is the essential things that you know that you will, not, you will understand all religious books. And if you leave one of these five things out, you will not know, you will not understand any religious books. You must understand, as described, that the living entity is part and parcel of the Supreme. Therefore, the living entity is the eternal servant of the Lord, Jiva. You must understand that Ishvara, the Supreme, is the whole. He is the personality of Godhead, and we are uh, everything. He is the cause of all causes. And that person is Krishna. Uh, we must understand that the material energy is His energy. It works under. It is called divine because it works under His will. It is insurmountable by the living entity because it is under the full control of the personality of Godhead, and that control is enacted by time. <laughs> the hand I've got bit by the side. That that is enacted by time, which gives the destiny and the results of all, all one's activities. And uh, our activities in this material world cause repeated birth and death and result in reactions, good and bad, for all our activities. But that karma or those activities can be changed from material activities to spiritual activities, which means the soul engages not for fulfilling desires to satisfy the senses with sense enjoyment through the sense objects in the material world, but the soul engages its desires in satisfying the Supreme Personality of Godhead and becomes a cooperator enjoyer. That's the, the living entity. And as is described in the Vedic mantras, as the living entity more and more 
associates with the Lord and realizes the Lord, his spiritual bliss increases proportionately. Because the Lord is um, fully blissful, Satchitananda, unlimited bliss. And as we cooperate with him, we enjoy that blissful life like that. That is mentioned in the, in the Bhagavad Gita that um, when we actually uh, engage in devotional service to the Lord, one, to engage in the service of the Lord, we actually have to become Brahman. To serve Brahman, we actually have to become Brahman. To serve the king, one has to have the qualities suitable to serve the king or the queen. So if we go to Buckingham Palace in England and we say, yes, I'll, I can serve the queen. But if we're, you know, the queen's there seeing, reading her history books about ancient England and, you know, the dynasties and what have you, and we're making a big noise and we've got our ACDC on in the background while we're working and like that. It's not going to work. So, next. <laughs> you know, one has to be quiet, peaceful, uh, very. One cannot speak because one feels like saying something. Even if the Queen addresses you, what would you say? Reply. You have to be a very metered response. Even if you wanted to help her, you cannot touch her unless she says, Yes, take my arm and help me. So, you know, to serve Krishna, we can't actually serve him unless he says, yes, do this. And if we do something, as one of, one of the, one of the uh, difficulties that sometimes you have, is sometimes uh, devotees might come up and say, can I help you? And I'm hesitant to say yes. And I'm hesitant to say yes because they're going to do what they want to do not what I want them to do. And sometimes I'll say to them, can you do this? Ah, oh, why don't we do this? That and the other. No, 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 no. can you do this? Ah, oh, oh, oh. What, what about this? I can do this, I, you know, because I have these qualities and qualities. No, no, can you just do this? <laughs> no, I can't. I won't. <laughs> so, unless Krishna wants it, it's actually not devotional service. You know, there was in, in Vrindavan, um, I think it was, whether they were doing deity worship in the temple, writing books, you know, helping establish temples, whatever, without the permission of um, I think the Jeevi Goswami, after the other Goswami was there, I would do anything. I wouldn't do one aspect of devotional service without his permission. Like that. That's devotional service. If Krishna wants it, do it. If you're in the palace, Buckingham Palace, if the Queen wants it, it's service. If she doesn't want it, it's a nuisance. Like that. And you're not connected. <laughs> so, but, if we become Brahman, we can serve the Brahman. Therefore, 
real devotional service begins from the platform where we have no material hindering and no lamentation. We have no material desires, then actually real devotional service begins then. Otherwise, you know, we're doing devotional service, but it's in an apprenticeship stage and it's somewhat tainted by things that we want to do. And it's even when we're doing the right thing, it can often be interrupted. So Krishna is ready for more and we've gone all somewhere else. <laughs> even mentally. I sometimes visit in, in Bhagavatam class. And Krishna is saying, hear me. And we're off of fairies. <laughs> and then we come back. So, what happens is that if we, when one serves the king or the queen, they enjoy the equal opulence with that person. If one becomes a servant of Krishna, Prabhupada says there's an exchange of the six opulences with the Lord. That what that that in quality we have the same facility as the Lord. That's actually mentioned in that verse, 15.7. There's a lot in that verse. The purple. This, this particular point. And of course, because we have that enjoyment, where then everything in the material world becomes pilot. That's, that's the point. Engaging properly in the service of the Lord, all the, all the desires in the material world, they just disappear. Um, so here it says, uh, So, in his liberated state, he is freed from this material condition and is under the engagement of transcendental service unto the Lord. In his condition life, he is dominated by the material modes of nature and he begets the transcendental loving service of the Lord. As a result, he has to struggle very hard to maintain his existence in the material world. So then he goes on to say, Okay. It is clear in this verse that the conditioned soul is covered by the mature body with the mind and senses, and when he is liberated, this material covering perishes but his spiritual body manifests itself in its individual capacity. He quotes the Madhyan Dinayana Shuti. It is stated here that when a living entity gives up his material embodiment and enters into the spiritual world, he revives his spiritual body and in his spiritual body he can see the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face. He can hear and speak to him face to face. And he can understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead as he is. From Smithy also it is understood, in the spiritual planets, everyone lives in bodies featured like the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As far as bodily construction is concerned, there is no difference between the part and parcel living entities and the expansions of vision emerging. In other words, at liberation, the living entity gets a spiritual body by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, 
in many different ways. So this devotional service, uh, even in this world, this body becomes Krishnaized, spiritualized. Full spiritualization is called Krishnaized. The body becomes completely uh, Krishnaized and we are constantly in the association of Krishna in this world. And just, just to finish this class, I'll just give you that quote from the Gita. That, um, so, again, in order to take up devotional service, we must always hear and chant to understand how Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. Otherwise, how do we do devotional service? And then in doing devotional service, we have to cultivate that, you know, just do it without any motivations and material desires. Uh, that is transcendental devotional service. And that frees us from the subtle body. Prabhupada says here that... Um, Did you this is back in the year 1520. He says in the purport, um, understanding this philosophy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and engaging in his transcendental service, everyone can become freed of all contaminations of the modes of material nature. Everyone. Everyone here, everyone at home, all over the world. In other words, um, oh, sorry, he says, Devotional service is a process of spiritual understanding. So devotional service itself is the same as constantly becoming more and more um, advanced in spiritual understanding. It is the same thing. There's no difference. Wherever devotional service exists, the material contamination cannot exist. Devotional service to the Lord and the Lord Himself are one and the same. So devotional service and the Lord, if you're doing devotional service, that means Krishna is there. They're one and the same thing. Um, and if, if Krishna is there, it means we're already in the spiritual world here. It says they're one and the same because our spiritual devotional service takes place within the internal energy of the Lord. So devotional service means that we're already under the spiritual energy of the Lord just as it exists in the, in the spiritual world. The sun, the Lord is said to be the sun and ignorance is called darkness. When the sun is present, there is no question of darkness. Therefore, wherever devotional service is present under the proper guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, there is no question of ignorance. So, so the trick is to always engage in devotional service. Mamta yoga vichadina bhakti yoga in the sevati sadhanan samati chaitan brahmaguya kyapati. One who engages in full devotional service, unfailing in all circumstances, 
at once transcends the modes of mature nature and thus comes to the level of Brahman. So as long as we're doing devotional service without motivation, we're transcendental. And if we keep doing devotional service, we remain transcendental. Completely spiritualized, completely free from the uh, subtle body with all its unlimited desires and they have no influence because the devotee is filled with unlimited desires on the spiritual platform under the influence of uh, the internal energy which is very blissful. So any questions or comments about that? Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you. How do we know that we have fully surrendered to Krishna? What are the features which will tell us that we are Good question. I have just the answer to that. I might refer to Bhagavad Gita. Uh, one, but that is actually. Uh, Krishna was asking the question. Right? What's that? Krishna was asking the question, what are the symptoms of the person who is fully surrendered to Arjuna? Arjuna is asking the same What's that? Mahatma? Mahatma? Yeah, what number? Nine. Yeah. Nine. 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 Yeah. 13. 13, 9 13, right? Those who are not deluded. So the great souls are under the protection of the divine nature. They are fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, original and inexhaustible. Prabhupada says in the purport, the first sign of a Mahatma is that he is already situated in the divine nature. He is not under the control of the material nature. That's how we know. Being under the divine nature, the internal potency of the Lord, means a person <coughs> is always engaged in devotional service, 24 hours a day. And that means that they're, and they're not under the influence of the modes of material nature. They have no material motivations. Their devotional service is transcendental for Krishna's happiness. They're not doing the devotional service for some adoration to be well known, to satisfy any personal desires, even for, even for liberation. They want Krishna to be happy and they know that by serving Krishna, he is present, accepting that service and he is happy with us. You have the six features. If we are fully surrendered, the six features you have six, six features, those features of surrender they're the process of surrender. They're, they're how we become. They they um, uh, facilitate surrendering. So if we accept everything favourable for our service to Krishna, yeah. So if we accept things favourable for our the desires of the subtle body related to the material world, that's not very favourable. So we reject that. But we reject those desires which are favourable for the service of Krishna. And 
we associate with devotees. We follow the, uh, the, the, the rule, rules and regulations of devotional service. We always keep yourself meek and humble. And we give up our association. I think that's the success. Um, so association with, with other Mahatmas. We associate with Mahatmas. <laughs> if we associate with Mahatmas, then uh, that is good. And we avoid other associations. Now, because we can't avoid the people of this world, we, we give them our association. We become Krishna conscious and we give them, when we associate with them, we want them to take that Krishna consciousness. When we associate with people, we have to be so fixed up in our service and a meditation, always thinking of Krishna, Hare Krishna, as we do, as we're doing anything, always Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Always thinking of Krishna, and the, you know, the Bhagavatam, the Gita, these things are always passing through our mind at every point. Everything reminds us of Krishna. Then we're not taking their association. Very important. Neophyte devotees. Sometimes you get neophyte devotees and become very envious. Sometimes it can, and sometimes the senior devotee can actually become, like Prabhupada, some of the very senior devotees in the Gaudi Math become jealous of Srila Prabhupada and acted in a way to, you know, be obstructive. Prabhupada said, merely a Vaishnava becomes jealous, they fall, even if they're, you know, first part, they fall to the platform of Neophyte. How do we deal with them? We generally avoid them. Gorkishore does Babaji says that shows mercy. Because if people become jealous and they're causing you trouble, intentionally, unintentionally, those offences will spoil ruin their spiritual life. If you avoid them, you give them mercy. You can. You go and do devotional service where you're not, you know, being a nonsense and you probably make some advantage. So, association is very important. Um, and um, if we associate, then, then we'll also become. You know. So, you know, we, we, we have to learn. Devotional service is very easy. We have a tendency. You know, because we have other motivations, we make it difficult for ourselves. And so we want to associate with devotees who seem to know how to make things easy, they do things easy, they seem to be going through devotional life a little bit more effortlessly. Devotional service, Prabhupada mentions, you eat Krishna Bhishana, you, you see the deities come in, very easy to look at the deities, they're so beautiful. The smell of incense, beautiful atmosphere, it's peaceful, so easy. Offer pranams, touch the head to the floor. Um, and, um, you know, we read Prabhupada's books, they're very good for the mind. Read the Gita, read the Bhagavatam, you know. And reading them, you can also hear, and if you we associate with each other. When Vaishnavas associate, their main association is by hearing and chanting together. 
not gossip. That is the main way they associate. The main way to associate with a guru is to hear the guru ask questions. And if we're at home and we've got a picture of Krishna in a home that we worship daily or a deity, we keep our home clean. Krishna, you're residing in this home. I will keep this home nice and clean for you. That's, that's part of Sadhana. If you clean the temple because Krishna is here, that's part of Sadhana. If Krishna is in your home and you clean the home and you grow some nice flowers and bring them in, put them there, that's part of Sadhana. If the beautiful sun comes up and you open it up and it shines on the deities, that's part of Sadhana. So, you know, we open the curtains for ourselves to let the sun shine in. But if we think, well, Krishna will enjoy the sunshine, let it shine on the deity, that's part of Sadhana. It's actually all the things that we do, Arjun, I don't want to fight. That's not my desire. I have a different desire. And then Arjun changed his desire to the same as Krishna's. What you desire, Krishna, that is my happiness, I will fight. <coughs> so, to become a devotee, the only thing that changes is this, Prabhupada says. In the beginning, we say no, Krishna. And then we say yes, Krishna. But we do the same things. Krishna said, whatever you're doing, do it for me. No. And then in the end, we're doing the exact same things. We're cooking, we're keeping our body clean, you know, we're buying things in the shop, driving a car, but we're doing it all for Krishna. Nothing changes, the other thing changes between yes and no. Yes, I do it for Krishna, but I won't do it for Krishna. And in that consciousness, so if we're already doing the things, we're already eating, how, how is it difficult to then eat for Krishna? For his pleasure. You know, we're already driving a car, we're already working, we're already doing it, we're already keeping the body clean. But if we do all the same things, that this I'm doing because it's molding my life in such a way that I'll always be able to think of Krishna, serve Krishna, there's no difference. Therefore, uh, it's, it's, it's a very simple thing, a very simple and natural thing. In fact, it's the pure, natural consciousness of the soul. It's actually harder to go against it and suffer the you know pains of birth, death, old age, and disease. Okay, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.